It's Tuesday, March 12th. Welcome to our new podcast, Skim This. Every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., we're breaking down the biggest, most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, everyone is talking about Brexit. We want to focus on one of the big sticking points in the divorce between the UK and the EU. We'll connect the dots on the drama about the Irish border and why there's a pushback on the backstop. Then some Hollywood helicopter parents are now facing jail time. We'll talk about the college admissions cheating scheme that blew up today. And speaking of paying for college, a new report is out about how millennials are handling their finances. We're here to make your Tuesday smarter. Let's skim this. The most complex story of the day is about the very public, very messy divorce that's been the top headline in Europe for three years. Yes, we're talking about Brexit. This afternoon, the British Parliament voted on Prime Minister Theresa May's latest deal for Britain to exit the European Union. They rejected it. Again. Which means tomorrow, they'll vote on whether they should leave the EU without any plan. A no-deal Brexit. One of the biggest sticking points for everyone in the UK has been what to do about the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. One island, two different countries, a history of bad blood. The part of the deal that has to do with Ireland is called the backstop. And it's complicated. Full stop. So that's what we're going to get into today. First, why is this border important? Second, a little about the history of violence on that border. And third, how this violent past reared its ugly head again because of Brexit and where things stand now. Okay, first, let's set this up. A hundred years ago, Ireland was just one territory under British rule. In 1920, Britain decided to split it up into Southern Ireland and Northern Ireland. Southern Ireland was like the rebellious teenager. They just really wanted to get out from under Britain's thumb. And they became the Republic of Ireland. The majority of people are Catholic. That'll be important in just a sec. Northern Ireland was more of a homebody. They were fine to stay put with the UK, but in the 50s and 60s, things in Northern Ireland started to get messy. It was about religion. In Northern Ireland, Catholics were in the minority, and they felt they were being undermined by the local governments and police, who were Protestant and mostly loyal to the UK. So the Catholics started rallying for civil rights. And that led to clashes with British-backed police. Soon, it wasn't just protests. There were bombs. You've probably heard of the Irish Republican Army, the IRA. They were a paramilitary group. Their end goal was to unite Ireland once and for all. Things got particularly heavy along the Irish border because the Brits thought that the Republic of Ireland, south of the border, was harboring IRA militants. So the British military started destroying border crossings and putting up checkpoints and armed guards along the border. The IRA fought back. The violence lasted three decades. 3,600 people died. People refer to that as the Troubles. The important thing here is that border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland was ground zero for years of violence. In 1998, things started to chill out, and both sides signed what was known as the Good Friday Deal. They tore down the military checkpoints and watchtowers on the border. Now it's just a road. People and goods can move freely between the UK-controlled Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. And the reason they were able to make that free border is because both sides were in the EU. 
open borders was a big membership perk. Which brings us to the Brexit deal, why this got brought up again. Remember, the whole point of Brexit is that a lot of people in the UK didn't want to be tied to the European Union anymore. They wanted out. But if the UK leaves the EU, that open border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland could end. It's the only land border between the UK and the EU, so it could mean checkpoints, cameras, and guards. Which would bring back really bad memories for the Irish and the UK. And maybe more. In January, a group called the New IRA was suspected of setting off a car bomb along the border. Those fringe groups who want to unite Ireland at all costs are still around. So what's the plan as of now? Theresa May has been in charge of mapping out this Brexit plan. When it comes to what the border will look like after Brexit, she's basically saying, let's wait on this until we finish leaving the EU in 2020. That plan includes what's called an Irish backstop. It's the fallback plan. Basically, it's an insurance policy between the EU and the UK that says no matter what, there will be no hard Irish border. And until the UK and the EU come to some kind of agreement on what that border will look like, the two sides will have to stay in close contact in terms of trade. But some, especially pro-Brexit people, are worried it could trap the UK in a toxic relationship with the EU forever, which defeats the whole point of Brexit. So what's the skim of this? British lawmakers have voted down Theresa May's Brexit deal. Tomorrow, they'll decide whether to leave the EU without a deal at all. On Thursday, they'll vote on whether to delay Brexit. Unclear how long. It's all a hot mess. The official deadline was March 29th. And this all has international implications. Deals with the EU on trade, on travel, on work visas, and so much more won't involve the UK after the break. And international companies that have set up shop in the UK to enjoy all the benefits the EU has to offer now have to rethink their locations. And if they're looking for a place to go, Dublin, the capital of Ireland, is pitching itself as the new London. Coming up, the FBI is feeling the varsity blues. We'll tell you what we mean by that after the break. And now to a whole different kind of drama, college admissions. Dozens of people were charged today in a huge college admission scheme that involved cheating, money laundering, and bribery. According to the attorney on the case, the massive FBI sting took down two SAT administrators, one exam proctor, a college administrator, nine college coaches, and 33 parents, including actresses Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman, who the FBI says paid to get their kids into top-tier colleges. They called it Operation Varsity Blues. Here's FBI agent Joseph Bonavalanta. This is not a case where parents were acting in the best interests of their children. This is a case where they flaunted their wealth, sparing no expense, to cheat the system so, so they could set their children up for success with the best education money could buy, literally. The FBI is alleging that parents spent between 200000 and, wait for it, $6.5 million for guaranteed admission into good schools. We're talking Georgetown, Stanford, UCLA, and Yale, and a bunch of others. So here are three things you need to know about this scam. First, the FBI has been investigating for over a year, and the indictment was unsealed in Boston this morning. Here's how they say the scam worked. This guy, Rick Singer, had a college prep business. He was based in California. He had two packages, 
For a donation to his charity, Singer allegedly guaranteed kids got into elite universities, either by fixing their SATs or by getting them onto the college sports team. And the parents could write it off on their taxes because it was for charity. Yeah. In the first case, Singer hired a guy who was really good at taking SATs. He either took the SAT for the student and got a high score, or he changed some of the student's answers after they finished the test. In the second case, Singer allegedly bribed coaches and university administrators to recruit students who sometimes weren't even athletes. Andrew Lelling, the Massachusetts U.S. attorney who brought this case, says it was the coaches, not the colleges. Right now, the schools themselves are not targets of this investigation. Um, throughout the investigation and our investigation of each of these targets, we have not seen the schools as co-conspirators with this activity. The second thing you need to know, Aunt Becky from Full House and Lynette Scavo from Desperate Housewives, the actresses Lori Laughlin and Felicity Huffman, they were in on it too. Investigators say Huffman chose the SAT cheating deal for her daughter. They say Laughlin went the athletic recruitment route. They've both been charged with conspiracy to commit mail fraud and honest services fraud. Laughlin's husband, Massimo Giannulli, has also been charged. Huffman's husband, the actor William H. Macy, hasn't. None of them have commented publicly yet. The third thing you need to know is that none of the students who benefited from the scam have been charged. Here's Andrew Lelling again. The parents, the other defendants, are clearly the prime movers of this fraud. It remains to be seen whether we charge any of the students. Lelling said some students did know about the scam, but other parents didn't want their kids to know. Some of the colleges involved are already reacting. Some have started putting teachers involved in the scheme on leave. USC says they're launching an internal investigation. And the FBI says the investigation is still active. So there may be more charges to come. Next up, a story about how millennials are handling their money. We've got some good news and some bad news about millennials and money. First, the bad news. A new report from the New York Federal Reserve says that millennials have racked up more than $1 trillion of debt. That's 12 zeros. Most of that is going towards student loans and mortgages. But how does that stack up against other generations? That's the good news. Looks like millennials are cautious with credit card debt and smarter about saving. Millennial credit card debt is about two-thirds what Gen Xers had at the same age. And millennials have almost $2,000 more saved in their retirement accounts. That's not exactly a ticket to early retirement, but it's a start. The Skim wants to help you be smarter about your wallet. We have a lot of financial content for you on our website, theskim.com money. Before we go today, we have a fun fact coming to you about the World Wide Web. 30 years ago today, Sir Tim Berners-Lee proposed the idea of a web of information that could be viewed by a browser. See what he did there? He was working at the physics lab CERN and had to log in to different computers to get access to different information. Annoying. The fun fact, the first working title was The Mesh. Information Mine was also in the running. He landed on World Wide Web. Oh, and it's lucky Berners-Lee followed through at all. When he pitched it to his boss, the response was vague, but... Exciting. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for keeping us in your evening routine. Be sure to hit subscribe, leave us a review, and tell all your friends. 
If you want more Skim first thing tomorrow morning, subscribe to The Daily Skim. You can subscribe by text if you want to. Just send us a text with the word Skim, that's with two M's, to 66866. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 